This is Change for Your Dollar podcast with John Putnam. We have another great episode today of Change for Your Dollar, where we have conversations and talk about the blessings and burdens around money and faith and life. I'm your host, John Putnam. Well, hello, everybody. I hope you are doing well today, wherever you are. Thanks again for joining me. Really love having you on this journey and this conversation. And we've got a special podcast today. You know, today you're going to get to hear a conversation with an old friend of mine. Now, you may know him as the author of 20 books or so on faith and finances. Uh, Some of his past clients may know him as starting a large Christian financial planning firm. And advisors, well, you may know him as founder of Kingdom Advisors. And most recently, if you're in academia, you may know him as the chief executive officer of the Institute of Financial Planning at Indiana Wesleyan University that bears his name. Of course, I'm talking about Ron Blue. Uh, Since 1979, Ron has been providing uh, encouraging, proven advice for really achieving financial contentment and confidence, and he is committed to equipping Christians to thrive in their financial lives and also use money as a testimony to a world in need of God's good news. He and his wife, Judy, have five children and 13 grandchildren and live in Atlanta. Ron, it is great to have you with me today. How are you doing? I'm doing great, John. Looking forward to this time. Ron, I was thinking about our conversation today and was remembering about when we met. It was probably, I don't know, 18, 19, 20 years ago, and you would come to speak at a breakfast in Charlotte. It was a Saturday morning. It was early, and I drove up, and you were there to talk about this new organization that you were considering called Christian Financial Professionals Network. Do you remember that? Uh, Sure, I do remember that. I I can picture it in my mind. Uh, and we had a pretty good turnout. I, as I remember, probably 20, 25 people were there. Uh, and it was the first time uh, that I, well, it was the first time in Charlotte, and it was the first time to really present kind of a vision, an idea, uh, and to see whether anybody would salute uh, or, or leave the room. <laughs> but I got a lot of encouragement out of that. And, you know, Charlotte has always been, uh, had a, I've got a warm spot in my heart for Charlotte because that was really early on one of the early adopters, and that was due to you. Oh, Ron, you are kind, man. Thank you for that. Um, but look, you and I both know there are a lot of gifted women and men that have been involved in Christian Financial Professionals Network in Charlotte that has now grown into this organization we know today called Kingdom Advisors, and man, it's just continued to grow. I mean, how many advisors are involved in Kingdom Advisors these days? Oh, goodness, it's over 3,000. I think it's like 3,500 or 600, something like that. And we've got about close to 2,000 that have gone through our Certified Kingdom Advisor training. 
Well, it's been special to watch Kingdom Advisors continue to grow and just the incredible teaching that happens there, Ron, and the conversations that we get to have. And Ron, I've heard you talk about, you and I've talked about this a lot, this idea, this situation that we each face with our money, and that is our money and our financial choices. I mean, we make these every day. Some are small choices. Some are large choices. They can help us. They can hurt us. We can also learn from them, right? They can teach us as well. And look, I believe that we can all improve our financial decision-making if we understand the different aspects of financial choices. And that is what we wanted to talk about today. And I wanted to start off, Ron, just with this idea of we make choices at different times with different effects on us today. And I want us to start out with this idea of what about the decisions we have made in our past? And when I think of decisions of the past, uh, you know, if you followed some type of logical process in making decisions uh, and it turns out to be wrong, then what you learn is I wasn't really thinking the right way. So I'll make a different, uh, I'll, I'll rethink this one, if you will. You know, my, and I'll give you an illustration. My son uh, was a really good tennis player and had probably 100 scholarship offers. And uh, he went through a process, and he had 20 criteria. And he had eliminated it down to about six or seven schools and uh, went through the process and uh, chose the University of Texas. And it was kind of a clear choice. Well, he got to Texas, and he didn't get to play right away. Uh, and so he was ready to quit by Christmas time his first year. And in fact, he'd even applied to Wake Forest. Uh, he was that far along in the process. And so we sat down and we went back over the criteria he used. And he said, you know what? Those were the right criteria and Texas is still the right choice. He thought he'd made a mistake, but he had the criteria. He knew what he was deciding and he decided to say, well, it turned out that uh, right after he got back, uh, after Christmas break, uh, one of the kids uh, got kicked off the team. He ended up playing uh, as a freshman, and he set a record for uh, freshman wins at the University of Texas in tennis. And then he became an All-American uh, there while he was there also. And that's where we come back to this teach thing. Because he knew why he had made the decision, when he thought it was wrong, and it could have been wrong. Uh, it turned out it wasn't, but it could have been wrong. He had in front of him his thinking. So I think when we look at the past, uh, I've made a, uh, <laughs> I tell people, look, I'm qualified to give advice because I've made every mistake that there is. Well, I am with you on that, Ron. I have probably made every mistake or seen every mistake in the book, just like you. We've talked about that before. And I think so many times, though, if we're not careful, we can let those mistakes or those experiences really sort of halt us a little bit, right? And we probably shouldn't. We we need to learn from them rather than letting them hit us from a negative perspective, try to release ourselves from that, right? And, and that's, I think, an important uh, life lesson is we don't have to feel shame or guilt or kick ourselves 
because God uses those mistakes. Maybe they weren't even a mistake. We just didn't understand some uh, something. So the past can be a great, great teacher if I don't let it overwhelm me. Ron, I am with you on that, and I love it. This whole teaching about um, learning from the past, right? Turning what we might think of as a loss into a lesson. Um, just, I don't know, this idea of renewal and redemption and being able to rely on the thinking that went into the decision like Michael and his scholarship and how he could rely on that and then affirm that he had thoughtfully and prayerfully and wisely walked into that is so strong. You know, I think of another one uh, that was personal. When our children were young, the oldest were in their teens, all the way down to probably seven or eight or nine or something. And uh, Judy had this maternal instinct, which uh, mothers have, and she wanted a home that the kids could all come back to. So, uh, so we needed a, we had five children, so we needed a six bedroom home and we bought a six bedroom home. Now, a six bedroom home comes with a lot of square footage. <laughs> we, <laughs> we bought six bedrooms, but it cost us a ton. And Judy, when she said, from the moment I walked into that house, it was the wrong house. We bought the bedrooms, but it, it didn't fit us. Ron, that is such good perspective. Thank you. And, you know, it makes me also think about, you know, some of our decisions in the past haven't all been positive. You know, we do have a little shame or regret about uh, some choices that we made. And I want to talk a little bit about debt and borrowing, because I know some of my listeners are interested in this. We all have these past choices we've made around debt. And we're thinking, man, if I wouldn't have made that decision, I would have been in such a better position right now today. But it can sort of sneak up on us, right? It's in its nature. You know, the the thing, the insidious nature of debt is that it allows you to buy things that you wouldn't necessarily save to buy. But that's the problem with debt is because you can use debt, it doesn't hurt uh, anymore. And not only that, when money comes in that's borrowed, be it a car or whatever it is, you don't pay any income taxes on that. And it comes in, it feels like free money. But when you pay it back, you're paying it back with after-tax dollars. I use the illustration all the time on 0% financing. Is that a good deal? Well, you walk off the lot with a $30,000 car, 0% financed. Number one, it isn't worth 30000 anymore. And number two, I have to probably earn about 45000 to pay back the 30000 while that car goes down in value. So... That's logical. You can prove that, but people will still do it. I hear you, Ron, and it never ceases to amaze me how debt remains so alluring. Look, I've wrestled with it. I wrote about this in my book. I've actually put in some personal journey entries in there and... So I understand how powerful this can be. And changing gears a little bit, because I think that debt 
and borrowing and the ability to accelerate our spending is one of the most significant budget busters that we deal with. We're really trying to make a budget work and we want to stick to it, but it can be difficult as we try to make it work, not only individually, man, but also as a couple. Well, number one, uh, uh, I've always said that a budget is a guide and not a law, okay, because circumstances change. And the budget that you made uh, before the year started is probably out of date by January, just because changed circumstances, things that you didn't know. And if you look at the budget as a guide, and it's a guide of pre-made decisions. So I've talked through the decisions uh, like vacation. How much are we going to spend on vacation? So rather than going on vacation and then spending whatever and feeling guilty about it, if you say, you know what, we can allocate 1000 2000 whatever the number is to a vacation, then I don't feel guilty about going on vacation. And when I take the family out for dinner and it, it costs more than I would ever spend, I've already pre-made that decision. So a budget as a series of pre-made decisions gives some freedom, but uh, it still should be subject to change. And that's why if you live within your income, you've always got some margin. And when you have margin, it's those things will happen. You know, my oldest son bought a, bought a truck here not long ago. Three days ago, the brakes went out. Well, that cost several hundred dollars. Uh, he didn't plan on that. Well, we have all been there, right? I mean, <laughs> the cost of a car or a tractor or a house, whatever it is, so often the cost is just the entry fee. <laughs> After that, all bets are off. You better believe it. And, you know, like the weather, budgets on a monthly basis, quarterly basis, we need to review these because just like the weather, it has a way of changing. So just stick around. Well, also, Ron, in our budgets, as we're continuing this conversation, I want to talk a little bit about sort of short-term needs versus long-term needs, short-term choices with long-term impact, and helping us think through that a little bit. Where would you start with that? Well, I think, John, it's uh, well to remember that there's always the trade-off between the short-term and the long-term. If I want something in the long term, I can't spend it in the short term. So I'm always trading off the short term and the long term. And if I do that, then when the long term comes due, uh, I'm prepared for it. You know, the first time I really even thought about that, that I was testifying before Congress and the senator asked me what I would tell the American family. And I said, well, I tell them to spend less than they earn, avoid the use of debt, build some margin or liquidity into their finances, but also uh, set long-term goals so that you know what you can't spend in the short term in order to have it for the long term. All right, everybody. I think that's a pretty good stop in place for this episode. How about those four pearls for a little wisdom to be thinking about until next week? Oh, yeah, just a little wisdom shared with Congress a number of years ago that we could all learn from. 
Y'all, thanks so much for joining me today. We're going to have the second part of this interview with Ron next week, where we continue to talk about different aspects of financial decision-making. And as always, if there's someone that you were thinking about when you heard that, that this might bless them, please share it with them. Invite them into the conversation. Invite them into this Change for Your Dollar community. And I'm looking forward to next week. Talk to you then. You've been listening to Change for Your Dollar podcast with John Putnam. Thank you for joining me for Change for Your Dollar, where we have real conversations exploring the burdens and blessings around money, faith, and life. For more tools and resources, please visit changeforyourdollar.com. I'm John Putnam. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to being with you again next time.